Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Atlantans are undoubtedly experiencing a food renaissance. Over the past five or so years, restaurants have opened all over the city that have broken major ground. Some from new chefs who are new to the city and others of the veteran echelon. And this week, it's an honor to bring you an interview with a true pioneer, an OG, a woman who has heavily contributed to defining what it means to be an eater in Atlanta. And that's none other than Chef Ann Quattrano. To her friends, Annie, chef of Bacchanalia, Floataway Cafe, Star Provisions, WH Styles Fish Camp, and soon-to-be Pancake Social. And we sat down over coffee so I could hear her story. So, here she is, the delightful Chef Ann Quattrano. You sound really good. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I um, you know, I never, I never really thought that I would develop like a podcasting voice, or mm-hmm. a, a, I guess some I people think, call it a radio voice, but I think it's you um. No, oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's always really interesting. And like when I have people on the show who have not spoken into a microphone and they throw on their sultry voice real quick, <laughs> they're like, yeah. So back in the '90s, like you can just talk normal. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> That's just me. But um, but I, I mean, again, like this is such. Um, this is a huge honor and I love that we're, we're sitting in, in the dining room kind of like calm before the storm. This is my favorite place to be Mm -hmm. is like really, I mean, you are kind of like still between service, like dinner ended last night and it will, you know, you know, kind of (laughs) come back again tonight. I always like an empty restaurant. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's it's so odd, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, coming in on Sundays when nobody's here. Yeah. Mm That's super cool. I was going to say the last time I was actually here, uh, was for Dinner Bell with Quiet Hounds oh, yeah. and, um, oh man, uh, from Zach Brown Band. What's his name? Um, he was great. He was amazing. He? he was so good. And I, as soon as like I saw him, like, I mean, I recognized him from the band mm-hmm. when I walked in and, uh, and, but then he threw on that top hat. I was like, oh buddy. Yeah. Yes. That is He's so great. He's got a great voice. Yes, yeah, he I love just listening to him warm up. He was yeah. great. Oh, big time. Yeah. But, um, but I guess, you know, to, to introduce, um, Anne Quattrano, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. for inviting me. Oh my gosh. Thank you <laughs> for being on the show. And you know, I was going to say, I, um, I, I don't wear my glasses all the time, but a lot of people tell me that I have really cool glasses. Mm-hmm. You have really cool glasses. <laughs> I have a lot ma'am. of glasses, but I have favorites. These are my favorite. Those, those, yeah. those are like the coolest glasses in the world. <laughs> <Thanks>. So, <laughs> oh man, but I, I'm so excited to, to get to hear some of your story. And I mean, you have some amazing, amazing restaurants here in the city and, um, and even more to come, which is, uh, you know, just something that's, uh, that's going to be really exciting to, yeah. to get into, but, um, but to kick things off, you get the inescapable first question of every guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? So, um, my mother didn't cook. So I guess that's really pretty much the introduction. Not well, and she didn't enjoy it, but I had a grandmother, my paternal grandmother, we called her nanny. And Nanny was an incredible cook. She uh, she cooked all the Italian food, but she also really loved Gourmet Magazine, and she cooked out of that. And it was she was a gore, a true gourmand. Nice. Yeah, she cooked incredible food, um, and she did all of the holidays and everything. Yes, I mean once she got older and she had a little bout with uh, senility. Uh, we were all like, the food went way downhill really fast. <laughs> Luckily, I had spent enough time with her. And then I had, my grandfather had a, a sister who was an incredible cook, too. So I did spend a lot of time in the Italian kitchens kind of watching and learning. And then at home, certainly my grandmother didn't cook for us all the time at home, but we would cook a bit because my mother really hated it. I, my mother didn't really work, but... <clears throat> she was never home. I would talk to my sister about this sometimes. Like, where's mom? <laughs> um, she, like, she liked to play tennis and stuff. Yeah. yeah. She just had, like, a life, and it wasn't really revolving around us, which was cool. <laughs> we were, like, semi-latchkey kids. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah, so we, you know, we cooked a bit. I did. My sister didn't really. We, we, if we didn't want cold cereal, we had to kind of figure out something to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I cooked a bit then. So I would say my grandmother and my Aunt Frances, my great-aunt Frances, were my first. But um, Judy Rogers at Zuni Cafe in San Francisco was the first real chef I cooked under. And I think that I probably took the most from her 
in a professional kitchen. And that was when I was in culinary school in San Francisco. And she, I worked actually as a server at Zuni, um, but she let me work in the kitchen with her two days a week. So in the mornings and when we were closed during prep, it was great. I think I just learned how to respect food from her Mm -hmm. and also what great food looked like, which growing up, I mean, we didn't have a lot of farm to table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were talking about the uh, 70s and the 80s. Uh, Almost, I feel like in New York at the time, I grew up in Connecticut, and in New York at the time, it was, you know, the further... In the further the food was imported from, the more elegant it was, mm-hmm. right? You wanted strawberries from the Alps or <laughs> it was nothing <laughs> sure. like this. And even when, you know, even in the 80s, um, nobody was doing that on the East Coast in, in San Francisco. The food just came in, like from farmers and trucks. It just would come in. Poultry, mm-hmm. eggs, fish, fish from the fishermen. I mean, Judy just had her finger on that pulse way before anybody else did and. uh well, Alice Waters did too. Oh, you know, yeah. just Alice Waters, <laughs> just Alice everybody. Water. Yeah. But Judy, had, you know, <laughs> she'd work for her a bit. So it was kind of a symbiotic relationship. But yes, we had great vendors. And I just learned so much about food and how to take care of it and how to appreciate it in its raw state. So Yeah. yeah. And, and growing up in Connecticut, I mean, and then, I mean, all, <laughs> talk about a coast-to-coast story. I mean, you've got it. And But where, where did you really get the passion, like knowing that you wanted to go to culinary school? So, um... I didn't um, right away. I mean, I didn't go to culinary school till I was in my mid-20s. I went to the University of Vermont, and I studied economics and psychology, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. But all that time when I was at school, I worked in restaurants, and I loved it. And then I went um, in summers. I would go to Nantucket, and I would waitress in Nantucket for money and then go back to Vermont. And I think I knew. I think I knew that I loved that business. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I was going to be a chef. I mean, I never really thought about it. Um, But I knew that the restaurant business or the restaurant industry was for me. To me, it was like a team sport, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because total, like, total participation for success. And and I really enjoyed that. Um, So I knew that that was probably my industry. But I started a little bit of grad work, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I ended up uh, just leaving um, Burlington, Vermont, and going back to Nantucket to manage a restaurant after uh, graduation or a year or so after graduation and just be like, well, I think that this maybe is what I want to do. Wow. Yeah, Nantucket, I spent a few years year-round there, and what I learned mostly is that I needed more input than that. I spent a lot of time drinking (laughs) and partying, and that wasn't great for me. So I was like, I want this industry. I know I want to be in this industry. I just, you know, I feel like I need a more, a broader understanding of it. At the time, I'd managed and waitressed and done some kitchen work. I certainly worked in the kitchen a bit, but not like, I didn't feel like I was the creative force that I might need to be. And when I went to culinary school, it was really, my idea was to learn the back of the house industry so that when I had my own restaurant, and I never doubted that I would, but when I had my own restaurant, that I would be able to accomplish everything in that building that I needed to and um, direct it. And I don't think it was really until I got to culinary school that I realized that I had a bit of an affinity for it and I felt very comfortable in the kitchen. Mm. And it like ticked one of those boxes for me. You know, it was both creative, um, it was fast paced. You could change things and make things better. You know, it was really like this incredible creative outlet and, uh, and I really loved it. And I think that I did pretty well. Like I kept like, I don't know. <laughs> winning things <laughs> it was, you know it's kind of silly at the time I was 25 and everyone else was like 18 right <laughs> I felt like the old lady there but I you know I definitely thought that I um you know that I took to it very well and I was like yeah I think I could be a chef so I um stayed out there for a bit and then moved back to the east coast to Manhattan and cooked there for a while and Went to Nantucket some, you know, like when there was a gig there, I would go there for the season and cook. So I kind of got around a little bit after that and then ended up down here. 
Yeah. And all along, I think, and you know, I talk to my staff now and I'm always like, what's the end game? What do you want to do? You know, where do you want to go? And very few of them really want their own restaurant. And hmm. I mean, it is all I ever wanted, honestly. Like I was really like, I have to have my own restaurant. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, my father pretty much, like my family was like, oh, you know, that's a dream. I'm not going to invest <laughs> in anything like that. And I was like, okay, that's okay. Um, but I think that for me, I worked for a lot of different people over the years and, um, a lot of them, I felt like stifled Mm. my creative energy, uh, and made decisions that I would never make that I felt were not like the way I would do things, both in handling staff and handling food and, you know, putting a menu together. I was just like... That is not how I want to do things. And I think that that really was the end driving force of the own restaurant is that, you know, I want to do things the right way. I got this idea. This is how it's going to go. So uh, we moved here. So I met Clifford, my husband, when we were in culinary school in San Francisco. Um, he was like a very good, probably a better student than me. (laughs) (laughs) Would he agree with you? Yeah, he would. (laughs) Like, he totally bailed me out of pastry. Like, I just, like, anything that was that, you know, like, making a, um, an an anglaise, you know, it's just like, you know, so, like, technical. (laughs) But he, um, yeah, he was good at all of that. But he was also pretty driven, and he knew what he wanted, and at first, I, we, I just think we were kind of friends and kindred spirits in, in the kitchen. And um, then we, I moved, he moved to Nantucket and I went to like get him a job and, and then stayed and then he moved to New York. So we kind of just ended up cooking and living together. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that was that. <clears throat> that was a long time ago. I sometimes wonder like how did it get to be, I would say that it's probably over 35 years. Oh <laughs> man. So crazy. I know. It's wonderful, But it's not really a love story. It's like a love-hate story. But that's all about, (laughs) I mean, it's hard to be in business with somebody, you know, and then live with them. And you take a lot of it home. You feel like sometimes that there's nothing that you do that isn't about work. But that's another story. Um, So he really wanted to move to Atlanta. My mother had a 60-acre farm in Cartersville. And it was right, it was in 1992, and he, we were just like, I'd gotten, uh, I, I'd gotten both of us fired from a job out on Long Island. <laughs> we were trying to open a restaurant, and so we took a job in a restaurant that we didn't really, you know, we knew it wasn't really what we wanted to do, but we were working on this building to make our own restaurant, and we thought, um, this is a good opportunity to uh, make some money, and oh, God, the, I mean, talk about bad owners they were like the worst (laughs) (laughs) like they would ask me to do things like oh tell my wife i'm not here just like i am not going to be that person for you (laughs) i mean i actually liked their wives and i didn't like them so i was like like, be a better person i know finally i was just like i'm not going to do it and clifford kept saying you're going to get us fired you're going to and then I got us fired <laughs> and Clifford is from Hawaii and he's a surfer. So we spent the summer surfing and then he, like when he got sick of surfing, <laughs> we're like, well, let's go check out that property of your mom's in, in Georgia. So we hmm. did. And it was like late spring and it was beautiful. Oh, and, I can imagine. Yeah. So we were just like, oh, you know, maybe we should move here. So we <laughs> kind of abandoned. We had a partner in the restaurant we were trying to open and it had, it was a crazy old building. It would, was built in like, 1670 it was like this yeah i know it was haunted and everything i we lived in part of it and the whole time i was like on edge and i don't even believe in that i was just like this place is spooky but we uh i was happy to get out of there and our partner was just like it's gonna take years to get through this because of the red tape and it was on long island It was like dealing with uh old feudal italy or something (laughs) very italian (laughs) section and uh yeah it had a landmark on it it was just i don't even think that he ever got it open honestly but anyhow it was just seemed like a good breaking time so we came down here and we ate around and we're like well we could cook like this (laughs) you know like i think we could do this so we moved forward and that was uh how we got here it was really his impetus he had a horse and he was like i want to live on a farm and 
I was like, okay. And yeah. we really, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing on a farm. Like, he had a little bit of experience. I mean, I was pretty much a city. I grew up like 40 miles from Manhattan. So, right. yeah, I wasn't growing up on a farm, that's for sure. Or growing anything, for that matter. But, um, yeah, so we, you know, we knew, we also knew that we would love to grow our own food. Because it wasn't really happening in New York. So, we were in New York in the late 80s and early 90s. And it was still that import your food hardly anybody there was a couple of small vendors that were growing up in uh, the hudson valley but very few Hmm. and we knew we wanted you know to be able to provide ourselves our restaurants with our own food um and that just seemed ideal so yeah and i'd imagine yeah and i'd imagine like just seeing that like in practice like where you know like you have this this you know just mound like this just treasure trove of produce and protein like in California mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I feel like that was probably kind of a, like kind of the building block stages of like what became everyone's favorite buzzword of, you know, farm to table, not even really knowing what that truly means, yeah. you know, of how something is like, you know, planted and cared for and then rested from the earth with someone's bare hands. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that had to be a huge inspiration for like, you know, what, yeah. what you would really want to do eventually in yeah, opening your really restaurants. Thought, you know, down here with the growing season and the, the climate, um, that we would be able to um, really excel at that. We also thought there would be a lot more farms here, <laughs> which was, you know, kind of a joke. When we got here, it was like nobody was growing it. Right. It was such a commercial state. I mean, so we're talking about 26 years, 27 years ago. Yeah. And it was such a commercial farm state that uh, little farms really didn't have a chance. You know, um, there was no legislation that supported them in any way. Um there were no organizations. That's what was way before George Organics and all that. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't really viable for them. And certainly nobody saw the value. Like, nobody saw the value in paying, you know, $4 a pound for arugula when you could buy a head of iceberg for one. Right? right. There was no inherent value in where it was grown or how it was grown. Um, and that's really been uh, probably our biggest struggle in the state all along. But now it's fantastic. I was telling, uh, we had a little meeting with some Georgia Organic people and Stephen Satterfield is there and Ford and um, we were just talking about produce. And I mean, I now actually like can compare prices between different vendors that are growing locally, right. which was before is just like, what do you want? And I just paid whatever they said. Well, I want this. And I was like, okay, you know, cause mm. there is no other options except for to grow around, but we've never actually been able to grow everything that we need. So we've always depended on them quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. It is really cool to see. Um, I mean, you go to, you know, I mean, any number of the, I mean, I, don't, I can't even count how many farmers markets there are now. I mean, you got like Brookhaven, Buckhead, mm-hmm. Grant Park, the Freedom Farmers Market, the one over in Morningside. There's now ones on the west side, like off of the Beltline. And, um, you know, I mean, now, now OTP. And I mean, there th- there's a presence for so many farms, you know, north, south, east and west of Atlanta. And Absolutely. they all either do something similar or something completely different. And this is what this farm is really known for. And we go to the one at Pont City, you know, mm-hmm. when it's in season. And it's just so much fun to, you know, walk down, you know, I mean, 60 feet of concrete. And we're picking up, you know, at different parts of the season, you know, Georgia apples and arugula. I mean, especially in the summertime, like we ate so many tomatoes. I mean, like Cherokee purples and um, but it was just like the most fun of like, mm-hmm. this was grown at a farm in Georgia. And I think it's really helped me appreciate so much that Georgia is really this verdant place that I feel like is so agriculture forward. And that's become so much of the identity of Atlanta and dining. But I feel it's, it's really becoming a part of the state too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not just, it's not just locked into that commercial state that it once was. And, um, it, I think it's, it's more than just being celebrated. It's really becoming more normalcy, which I think yeah. is really good. And I, th- I think people are getting that confidence. Yeah. And the farmers are able to support themselves, which right. was really the trick for <laughs> years. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they, I mean, a lot of people struggled through that time and are still here, but it's nice to think that they can actually afford to live now. It's really right. important. Yeah. Right. And you can't expect something to sustain. You know, it's a li- that's the whole thing about sustainability. You know, certainly it's about the earth. It's about people. It's about the climate. But it's about 
economics too you know there's yeah. like a, that branch of sustainability that often isn't considered that is so important because all the other things don't happen without it for sure yeah well and i mean you know you you know shif- shifting like some of your story i mean you guys moved down to Georgia and then like actually taking so much of what you guys have built restaurant wise here in Atlanta and have lived. Sorry, I gesture a lot with my hands, even though it's a podcast. No one can see it. I don't (laughs) know why I do it, but (laughs) I do this. I do this stuff a lot. But um, and uh, but, you know, so many of your of your restaurants have really gone through that wave, you know, and you guys, you know, opened at a different a different period of time and have evolved the restaurants through that. And now we're you know, your arugula, you know, mm-hmm. instead of coming from one place and it's hopscotched from one vendor to one vendor to distributor and now it's in your restaurant, now it's just grown 40 miles from here. Mm-hmm. A lot cool. of it right on our farm. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to say yeah. Cartersville. A lot, of them we bring, a lot of it we bring in with us. Yeah. With super. Yeah. It's super cool. But, it is. but I, you know, I want to jump into some of your restaurant history okay. here in Atlanta. So you guys make it down from Manhattan to, to, to Cartersville, so mm-hmm. right outside of Atlanta proper in the early '90s, and so when when do you get when do you get to the point where you know that you're going to open your first restaurant in Atlanta? Well, I think we knew it moving here. I mean, in retrospect, it was a stupid idea, but I mean, most people <laughs> I know I watched all these other people like do it right <laughs> after we did it in a really stupid <laughs> manner. But I like I watched Kevin uh, Rathbun, right? He comes down, he works for the biggest chain in the city, makes this name for himself, and then he goes off and opens his restaurants, and everyone knows him, so they're like all excited. But we, like dummies, you know, we just like said oh we can cook so and we wanted it to be a small intimate restaurant so we took this funky little house in Buckhead because everyone said you should be in Buckhead so we were like okay and we made the kitchen in the garage into our kitchen and we kind of built a little I mean we did most of the work ourselves it was really and all the furniture and the plates everything was my grandmother's it was a very interesting like (laughs) yeah now I don't think it would ever fly and then I'm kind of surprised it did because we went we bucked the trends and the trends were valet parking big flashy restaurants that cost millions of dollars to to build and we weren't that you know we were kind of um intimate and small we didn't have valet parking you had to self-park and we didn't Mm -hmm. even have a liquor license we had beer and wine and we concentrated on American wines we didn't have any French back then. So, yeah, it was a very different thing. But And we started off with this prefix of, well, I don't know, 2750. I, I think that I'm correct, but I'm guessing. Uh, and served things like roast chicken. And, and then we quickly became what was considered a, a fancy, like, you know, intimate, romantic restaurant. And our menu reflected that in changes, incremental changes to have more, um, let's say, fancy ingredients you know Mm -hmm. so we have the lobster and then we brought in foie gras and caviar and yeah so the menu kind of grew up and as bacchanalia did and uh, we really listened to what our guests wanted and we evolved in that manner Mm -hmm. Um, and then finally we figured that maybe bucket wasn't the place for us and we made our first move to howell mill road and then uh, and that really became a whole different scenario that was mm-hmm. a big move for us yeah yeah in the so the f- first rendition of bacchanalia i borrowed money from my mother against her better judgment and all of her friends and but she gave it to me anyhow and it wasn't a lot and we were able to open and get going and we had no customers in the beginning um and bones was across the street and they were super busy mm. and then jerry Claskala. um from now, Aria was at the Bucket Diner, and he came in because he knew some friends of mine in Boston and had dinner and called Elliot Mackle, who is, was our food critic way back when, and mm. he read something favorable. And, like, after, I guess that would be our third or fourth month open, we became mm. very busy. So, And since then, we've been busy. So that was fantastic. And, you know, that's, I guess, what do you need friends, right? You always <laughs> need friends. I didn't do it like Kevin Rathman, but... Harry Klaskala came through for us, so that was fantastic. So we moved to um, we moved over to the West Side, which was everybody thought was a stupid move because <laughs> it's like you know at the time it was desolate. There was nothing right. around us. And what year would this have been? This was in 1999. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And um, at, the, at the same time, it was just about a year before that, we'd opened Float Away Cafe also in a desolate area. That <laughs> I just love that it was like this really um, industrial building and then this whole green space behind it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was like the f- most fantastic location. I'm sure, I'm sorry that nobody else in the city really thought that. We were very busy in the beginning, but now I see, you know, it's hard when you're somewhere so far off the beaten path that people don't ever see you or drive by. It's certainly taken a toll over the years. You know, you have to really work to be, to stay um, relevant yeah. when you're off the beaten path. But yeah, I still love Float Away, and I still love oh, the food, and yeah. I feel like that food was really what we, that was the food that we opened Bacchanalia with, and that mm-hmm. we, you know, was probably the nearest and dearest to my heart, and certainly Clifford, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we opened that in 98, and then we moved in 99 to Howe Mill Road and opened Star Provisions. Gotcha. Yeah. And, I mean, that had to be so interesting, because, like, you know, I, I moved to Atlanta in 2012, you know, and mm-hmm. so when uh, when we moved here, and um, you know, we moved from North Carolina, we moved from Charlotte, and I love it. I, I, people ask me all the time, like, "Oh man, so you lived in Charlotte for a long time? Like, how does that compare to Atlanta?" It's like, just go to Charlotte. It really doesn't. Like, it's <laughs> hardly hardly the same. But you know, um, but I remember going over to West Side Provisions, and um, you know, it, it it seemed like it had this um, this certain period of time somehow frozen of you know old rail yard and. Um, you know, it, it retained like this amazing, uh, this feel of just like a really interesting industrial time, Mm -hmm. you know, but everything else that was built up around it, it's like, okay, well I'm looking at a J crew and you know, uh, JCT kitchen and then like Bacchanale is down there. And then like, I mean, I think this right around the time I was like, Jenny's ice cream is up in It's like, okay, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So like that had to be so interesting. Like you guys had been there like years before and like all this had to be like kind of happening around you. Like when it was you know, yeah. becoming more of like a destination and especially like a, you know, a, like a more prominent, like shopping destination, dining mm-hmm. destination. So. Yeah. When we went in, so I think we were the first, um, um, Takari Del Sol went in about the same time as us hmm. and then quickly, um, Sid came and then across the street bungalow classic. So like we were like the four, mm-hmm. they got there in the <laughs> beginning and, and I couldn't, ask for like even if I was choosing my neighbors I don't think I could have done it any better Hmm. like I think that we all had like we had a niche and we were really worked well together I think that we supported each other and also respected each other and liked which what each other was doing so it was really nice and I think that that had a lot to do with the success of the area that there was this kind of symbiotic relationship between the different people that were there um I, they chose well, I think, for all the other people that came and have gone. Mm-hmm. In the, but it was a, a great group, and um, I was happy to be part of it. And honestly, I mean, I loved when they put in the bridge and we opened Avatol. Of that was fantastic yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just kept getting kind of better and better. Yeah, I and I think it was just um, you know every time. I mean, and again, like you know, you, you talk about. You know, getting over to the west side and like it, it is I mean it does have kind of the stamp of destination mm-hmm. you know like there's there's only certain like a certain number of ways that you can get there I mean I think it's probably much more easily traversed now I mean you can mm-hmm. shoot across 10th street you can come in from the north from the south like you can get through you know multiple areas of town but it, it does still feel like it has like a little bit of like a you know you're not really gonna walk like too yeah. far from you know uh, from somewhere around no, the it neighborhood. was one of the I mean after Outside of like Virginia Highland, it was really the first kind of walking, yeah, yeah, situation where you could walk across the bridge and around, right. and yeah, w- which was great because Atlanta really misses. I mean, walking in a mall is a whole different oh, story. Yeah, right? no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And we have great weather here. It's you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to be able to get outside. But we didn't do a lot of that years ago. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, yeah, I think that that was a great move for us to the west side. And, and it was great for us, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't think I would have done any of that any different. Yeah. And it, it was um it, it was really interesting because you guys had, you know, Bacchanalia was there for how many years total? So we moved there in 99 and we moved out in 2016. Yeah. So, yeah, 17 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, or and 2017, 18 years. Yeah. A long time. 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, three five year leases and one three year lease. I know exactly <laughs> how long. <laughs> I love that that's, that's yeah. kind of like the lens that you yes. look at everything through. Well, like I know, you know, we would never wanted to leave there. You know, it just kind of came down to economics. Like I said, it's sustainability. Yeah. And, you know, I don't begrudge anybody. It became a very popular area and mm-hmm. I should have protected myself for another 10 years, but I, you know, thought. 18 years at the time seemed like a lot of time. Yeah, but mm. uh, it all worked out. We love our new building. We love being here. We still have little star over there. So right. Yeah, right. I mean, we're still a part of it. And I think it's nice. I mean, it's great to be in a new building with all of the things that we wanted. You know, I love reusing old buildings, but boy, does that take a toll on you after a while, you know? <laughs> like, everything seems to go. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this is a breath of fresh air. We're very happy here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I just, I, I wanted to kind of get, you know, your your take on is, you know, I mean, Float Away, Bacchanalia, Star Provisions, Abattoir, and now, I mean, WH Styles and Pond City Market and soon to be uh, Pancake Social, which we're going to spend, um, you know, a lot of time. Oh, I just can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> but but your your restaurant group has really put so much of a stamp on on dining in Atlanta. I mean, think, I think from, you know, just like a really wide spectrum of not only cuisine, but also, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think very early, you know, Bacchanalia was the kind of place that, you know, that was going to be like a really special occasion, you know, cause it, it's, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's the kind of place that, you know, you want to have like that celebratory moment. And then star provisions was always like the steadfast, like anytime, you know, that <laughs> if they're open, like is the place that we were either shopping for something more like pantry or we mm-hmm. were just, you know, grabbing a sandwich on some of the best bread that you could find, you know? And, um, but I think so many people have found, found like that same type of experience at your restaurants. And, um, but really I mean, created so much definition for dining in a lot of different ways in the city. And I mean, especially so early on and now, you know, <laughs> 2019 and then and beyond. Um, that's we that's pretty pro- it's pretty prolific work, Chef. <laughs> we're open for another 10 years. Yeah. I don't know. This is, I turned 60 in two weeks. So <laughs> Happy I'm birthday. Like, Thanks. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, wow. You know, it's hard to sign leases for 10 years when you're 60. You're like, mm. wow. Um, no, I plan to do this as long as I can. I can't imagine doing anything else, so I'm happy. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's, yeah. I think that we have been very cautious and moved slowly in opening new places. We always want to have enough. Um, so it's really just Clifford, my husband and myself. We want to always make sure that we are, you know, in a viable position financially to move mm. forward. We try not to. And really never have taken on any partners, which has been really nice. And um, WH Sales Fish Camp was just, like, fun. It was like opening one of the seafood shacks that I grew up with in New England. So we, right. we love doing that. And still, I love it. I think it's, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys nailed there. the ambiance, I mean, so well. I mean, it, yeah. it stands out like a really... In a really, really good way, you know, in the food hall. I think it does, too. Dominic, oh, yeah. um, so Dominic Coyne has done most of our designs until we moved to this building. And I think he really, like, out of all of our, pl- well, I loved Abattoir, too. I thought it was really our prettiest restaurant. Mm. But um, he really, I think, did hit the nail on the head with, uh, and it looks so different than every place else at Ponce, which Oh, it feels does. Good. Yeah, mm. and, and I think. I think you're going to really love the way Pancake Social looks, too. Oh, it looks great. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna, well, and I was, I was going to say, I mean, like, you know, when you're, uh, sensory overload, you know, I mean, we, we live, you know, I mean, just a hop, skip and a jump from mm-hmm. Pond City. And I feel like um, if, if, if they're listening to this, I'm sorry that we treat it kind of like it's our backyard. We spend a lot of time <laughs> there. Uh, but um, but we I think yeah. they'd like to know that. Yeah. But we yeah. I mean, so many places like there, we just have like uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier. We have like regular things that we get at every single food mm-hmm. stall or every single, you know, vendor there. And um, but it really does stand out. I mean, when you walk by. Uh, oh, and I have little kids, so especially when there's like you know, oysters or like lobsters yeah. <laughs> in the front mm-hmm. case, like they always like it's like it's like it sounds like it's not the zoo, but you know like <laughs> yes, they're those are you know those are sea are sea creatures, creatures <laughs> you know, but um, but it is like it 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 has like a different 
communal style and i think especially having like the the um the outdoor component as well um like it, it definitely grabs you yeah. really differently so yeah, I love that what was it what was it like opening because so I, mean, I think we, we might have been the first restaurant yeah, in there too it was like all right crazy. and I, I feel like I right remember after that. us was holman and finch but our um h&f burger but yeah well, i think we were the first well so i have this relationship with michael phillips who is I guess now the president of Jamestown. Mm -hmm. um, and he owned the building where Float Away, or still owns Float Away building, and then he owned where Bacchanelli was. And so he really wanted, yeah, he pushes my buttons, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes for the good, yeah. I'm going to say. I give Hi, him a Michael. lot of credit. Yeah, <laughs> but he does push my But he really wanted, you know, places to open there. They were really pushing, pushing, and they helped a lot to get us to push us to open as fast as we could. And I was fine with that, you know. I don't mind being the first place open. That didn't bother me. It did take a little while to get the traffic there, but it was okay. And I love that we chose that theme. I had other mm -hmm. ones that we were thinking of, but the seafood really like hit it. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, you know the kind of place that I mean sometimes like. You know, it's just really nice to have. Well, I mean, oysters. Like, I, I'll, I mean, it's it's got to be like a weird day for me to be like, you know what? No, no thanks. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'll I'll have like a half dozen. <laughs> you know, but um, but uh, but also just like a really fun place because I mean, I think the way that we, you know. <laughs> Sounds so bad to say it this way, but the way that we use the food hall yeah. <laughs> in Bond City, like sometimes it's just garden variety. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like we're going to get, you know, wings at Monero and like hummus from Marrakesh. And then like I'm going to get like a fish sandwich at WH Styles and then like we'll get, get dessert <laughs> somewhere yeah. else. But well, I think that's the way it was designed. Yeah, really. For sure. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's now like kind of the food halls are prolific they're everywhere right right i mean that's the new yeah mm -hmm. but people love that you know and i found it to be so um liberating to have a restaurant that you didn't serve they may get in trouble for this coca-cola <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we don't serve coffee <laughs> we don't serve anything but seafood right we didn't have to have our token chicken dish or, right yeah i mean it's awesome to be able to concentrate on one thing and like do the best you can it it's, is cool yeah i thought it was incredibly liberating and i love that we did away with bottles and cans and we do everything you know we make our own sodas and Everything comes on tap. It's just been, um, isn't that, it's a truly sustainable business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it, it is kind of like one of the, one of the instances where being a, uh, a specialist in, in the style mm -hmm. is, is actually, uh, I, I can only imagine. I mean, cause you know, I think that to, to see more happening at Pont City, I mean like, you know, the guys from Root all the way from Charleston, like, yeah. you know, they moved the whole operation, you know, to, to Pont City and like your new restaurant, but in a completely different place yeah. other than the food hall. Like it's so cool to see more like happening around this building that just like the, the life is just, is never going to leave it. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. I love, I mean, when you, there's a lot more spaces there too. Like when you're back in the back part and the downs and around yeah. <laughs> parts of ponds, you're like, wow, there's a lot of space left here. So right. I think there's a lot more to come, which is fantastic. Now, I love our new space at Pancake Social. Um, my husband, Clifford, is not a partner, so I have three partners on myself and he is not involved in it yeah. which is you know whatever he <laughs> it is what it is i mean we're busy we've got our own thing and i right. thank god i have him to do all of this because it's been consuming some time but for the longest time i didn't even like we didn't talk that much about it he didn't even know where this space was <laughs> so like i asked him to drop something off a few weeks ago and he did and he's like wow that is an awesome space yeah. and i was like it really is i kind of love that it's not in the food hall that you can see it when you drive down north avenue yeah. or you can even see it from the once we have our awning and everything you'll be able to see it from the belt line uh, mm -hmm. and it's fantastic yeah I yeah. really, I really love the space. Yeah. It's great. And, and I mean, honestly, like I, I remember reading the news. So, and, and I mean, remind me, but it's your other three partners. It's you and who else? Tony Riffle from uh, Octane. That's so right. Tony and his wife uh, and a partner started Octane, right? Like a long time ago, maybe 13 yeah. or 14 years ago. Right. And then Stephen Chan, who is, um, has owned uh, Thai restaurants in the city mm -hmm. for years, um, and he owned a restaurant, actually, how I know him is he owned a restaurant that was actually where JCT is, called oh. Sampan. 
Really? So it wasn't the first restaurant in that space. It was the second. Whoa. I know. I know. <laughs> it's a neat little and, piece of history. <laughs> I know. And then and then JCT came in after the, the first place was called Commune. And um, that was run by somebody from Matthew Kinney from New York. And then it, uh, then Sampan came in. I, I don't think the city was ready for an upscale Asian restaurant at the time. But uh, yeah. I mean, the idea was great and the space looked great. But uh, yeah, it didn't fly. Um, and then uh, the third partner is um, Dan Jacobson, who is a marketing person who mm. has worked for um, pretty big companies, but most recently Chick-fil-A. Heard so, of it. Yeah. 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 Heard yeah. of it. That place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's uh, favorite restaurant on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love their um, diet lemonade. I'm a little addicted to it. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's what's hard is like, I think with their lemonade, we're totally going tangential here but the lemonade it's like especially in the summertime that giant styrofoam cup goes from full to empty so quick yeah. because it's so i mean honestly like it's better than gatorade you mm-hmm. know like there's you know it, it is it, really good oh yeah, yeah. exactly but their well, diet their diet lemonade is phenomenal I by think the way it I is. Agree. you know i really i don't know i grew up on diet soda so mm. I don't really mind the taste of saccharin at all or <laughs> stevia or whatever. Right. Um, I really like, I dislike really sugary drinks mm. more than I dislike that flavor. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. And I spoke to um, Dan Cathy about it not too long ago. Cause <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, and he told me that he thinks, uh, he says he's very particular about it, but they hand juice. Like yeah. they don't automate, use those automated juicers because he feels that too much, it gets too much pith the bitter yeah. part yeah right. which you know i think i can admire that yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think it's a good thing too is i mean if your first job is at chick-fil-a then mm-hmm. you know you're gonna do oh, this the i right wish way. that chick-fil-a trained every one of my employees right. frankly because <laughs> they drink some happy juice i oh, think they yeah. drink the happy lemonade and they're always they like friendly and they're yeah. drinking the diet lemonade something That's what they're, they're happy i love yeah. that but um but you guys have quite the team behind mm-hmm. pancake social and i remember yeah. i remember reading the news about your restaurant opening at Pond City Market. And I mean, like, I'm just like fist pumping under the table. I'm just like, that is going to be so great. I mean, because, you know, I think right now, like you can, obviously you can get breakfast at any number of places or, you know, something that's more breakfast forward or, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally, you know, more like breakfast, but but to have like a sit down restaurant. And right, and I think that that was one of the things, I think that's one of the things that we miss at mm-hmm. uh, Pond City Market is that there's not, as many full service sit down restaurants. And I think we'll like you with two kids running around to each vendor and getting something probably <laughs> is a little harder than expected. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that was our, we have a lot of seats too. I think that we have 120 seats. So wow. it's not a small restaurant. No, yet. that's, no. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's sizable. But it's sweet and it's broken up and it's, yeah, it's very cute and uh, it won't feel that big and it doesn't when you're in it. But we really have quite a few seats. And that's awesome. We, really labored over whether or not we would be fast casual or but i lobbied for uh for full service in at least three quarters of it's because i think that that's what people want i think that there's a lot of people that like to sit down and be served somewhere so yeah um, i think that that was a good move and i think that it will be part of our success i hope yeah Mm -hmm. and and tell me as much as you can you know just like the inspiration like menu wise i mean obviously with a name like pancake social and all Mm -hmm. of the amazing photos of pancakes that i see (laughs) on instagram (laughs) which just like has me really excited Mm -hmm. Uh, well to be fair all of those are like other people's pancakes (laughs) that we love (laughs) yeah (laughs) but some will some are ours it's it's still Mm -hmm. worthy of celebrating just pancakes in general or pancakes at large Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah talk to me a little bit about the menu yeah so the menu I think that the biggest inspiration for our menu is the West is West Coast um, breakfast eateries, and the thing that I find so endearing about the West Coast is people like don't really live on the schedules that we so strictly <laughs> adhere to here. <laughs> right. Like you go out there to restaurants and people are eating breakfast at eleven, or they're having lunch at three or four, and I was, mm-hmm. you know, as a restaurant tour, that's like your dream, right? To have people not want to eat their breakfast from 8 to 10 and not want to eat their lunch from 11.30 or 12.30 because those are when you're busy and you love seeing people come and eat lunch at 2 or 3 in the afternoon. There is no day part. Right. I think that, you know, and especially in uh, in Southern California, I think that people just have different, their their schedules are much looser and Mm -hmm. I love that. And so we did, our team did some 
research down there. I mean, eating, we ate a lot of breakfast. But yeah, it was there was a lot of healthy choices. I think pancakes were part of it, a lot of egg sandwiches and and a lot of breakfast all day, which is kind of what we wanted to do mm. and uh, and really do it right. So we feel that there'll be um, a lot of healthy choices as well as not healthy choices, a lot of pancakes, <laughs> but we'll use the right things. We'll use, um, you know, fine milled flours that are organic. We'll use whole grains and We'll use a maple syrup from a farm that we particularly like. And oh, actually, man. I just saw her coming over here because we're making our own English muffins. And she had a couple of samples I oh, saw wow. her bring up. So, yeah, <laughs> so we're trying to do things um, the right way. And it won't be a huge menu, and I don't think it has to be. It'll mm-hmm. be tight, but uh, I think it'll have a good selection. Yeah, I mean, that's... And we'll have, um, like, we'll have a burger or a vegetable burger or something like nice. that. I mean, so we'll have a little bit of lunch, mm-hmm. but not a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm trying to think of like when, like when it's open and just the, you know, I think the, the thing about pancakes, um, sorry, I'm going to wax poetic a little bit about pancakes, but I, I feel like there's, there's something about pancakes or just like breakfast, but not at breakfast. Like mm-hmm. there's something really special about pancakes in the morning and it's something that your you know your grandma your mom and your dad did and like you know they're pouring you know pancakes or whatever you called them growing up you know just like onto a hot griddle and then that's what you're eating for breakfast but when you start to explore other opportunities throughout the day to have pancakes you realize that pancakes are just really that good Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) they're not something you make every day either and a little bit of i mean i wouldn't say they're hard to make because they're not but they're time consuming, right? Yes. Because who true. has a huge griddle that you can make a lot at once, right? Yeah, yeah. that is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're time consuming and it is kind of, I think it's one of those things that you have on a weekend or it's a family mm-hmm. thing that you do Yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah. You know? we, yeah. So I think that that's kind of the feel. We want it to be mm-hmm. pancakes every day. Yeah. Pancakes, please, every day. Yes. Yeah. My, my kids, so we do pancake night every Thursday night in my mm-hmm. house and, uh, you know, we don't get super fancy. I'm not like milling my own flour, um, but but, uh, but it's something really special. So I can only imagine how many pancake nights are going to be like our Thursday night over at Pancake Social. So yeah. <laughs> it's really really exciting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be really really cool yeah. to to see like once you guys get open, and especially just in a um, you know like you said in in that space. You know, like it's um it's going to be it's going to be totally different. Like when you approach from the North side entrance of Ponsini market, cause now instead of just walking like straight down, like the path, like into like the courtyard, now you've got a restaurant on the kind of, the, well, quote unquote exterior mm-hmm. of the building. It's yeah. going to be really cool. Yeah. So a nice patio. And I believe that there's, I, you know, I'm not really, I don't lobby for these things, but I believe my partners have lobbied for some free parking in the morning too, oh. so that people can come and park for free until 10 a.m. <laughs> right. So that's something I think I should mention. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's, yeah. that's really exciting. I don't really mind. I mean, I have to say that that's one thing I could never, I mean, I would rather pay for parking than drive around for an hour looking for parking. Like yeah. I'm like that time sensitive, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I never really got all excited about the pay parking there because I thought it was great. I could always find parking, right? Yeah, yeah but, <laughs> but my partners think that you should be able to come for breakfast without paying. So I think that there's that. Yeah. There's that <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just really excited about Pancake Social in general, and I'm sure by the time that you know I've got this uh, this episode rolling into season two, I'm sure you guys will have hopefully been open by yes, then. Yes, we not really sure. do. Have. Yeah, I yeah. think they will be open by the first or second week in February. That's is awesome. The plan. Yeah. That's super mm-hmm. exciting. Um, but you know, the, the last thing that I really wanted to kind of chat with you about is, I mean, you, you have seen, you know, I mean, starting, starting your life in a, in the Northeastern part of the country in new England and then spending time on the West coast and then coming back and then seeing so much of Georgia and Atlanta from a dining perspective, from an agriculture perspective change, and then having so much footprint, um, you know, of, of restaurants, you know, of, of opening Bacchanalia and then moving it. And then, and now, then moving it and again, then moving it again, <laughs> yes. and opening abattoir, mm-hmm. and then you know that that sunsetting, and yes. then you know opening you know I mean another star provisions like um, which I mean again this area is like really becoming something interesting over is, on the yeah. further part mm-hmm. of the west side, but you know there's something really there's something really special about the about the 
dining community, the culinary community of Atlanta. And you I agree. have really been a part of that. And you know, I mean, just what are your just thoughts in general? I mean, because I, that's, that's what I tried to leave people who are not from Atlanta mm-hmm. or that don't live here is there's, um, there's something really special about, about, about opening a restaurant in Atlanta and especially doing something that, you know, um, there's, there's so much room and latitude to try, you know, and yeah. I feel like the community is there that's going to be really excited about it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, I can comment on, I mean, a lot of people have come through our business, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I often say that I can't throw a rock in the city without hitting somebody who's worked for us, right? <laughs> After 26 years, <laughs> I know like somebody once told me, Oh, I can't come to float away. Cause like, so many of my servers that used to work for me work there. I was like, I could never go anywhere if that was the case. Right. Cause everywhere I go, it's somebody <laughs> that has worked for us. But, um, I would say that I think that the community here in Atlanta is, um, it's a very kind and um, considerate community of restaurants, Mm. uh, chefs and management that support each other. And you don't see that in every city. I think that it's something almost unique to here. Mm. And I would say in the South as Mm. a general rule. I mean, in New York and other cities that I've been in, it's quite a bit more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really nice. I mean, I, I feel very comfortable talking to other people about people coming and going. I mean, we often share sources and share personnel. And, you know, it's <laughs> sure. like, yeah, sure. I think it's respectful and, and great. And I think that Atlanta, the way I see it as changing is that people can open here, like really talented people can open small restaurants and the community not only accepts them, but endorses them, which is not the way it was 26 years ago. Right. Yes. And that's totally refreshing Yeah, and, and great to see young people opening restaurants and on a small budget, but really producing great food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's been my, um, that's my, been my biggest aim, you know, with the show is like, I, I want to hear the stories behind these people that have made Atlanta such an incredible place to be an eater. I mean, mm-hmm. cause it, I, I think that's just, it's such a special way for people to get to know their city yeah. is like, where are you going to, where are you going to eat and where are you going to feel at home? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's just, it's another thing that's just pretty indicative of like you are in the South and yeah. it's good. It it's a good place South. to be. But, um, but man, all the way from, yeah, the 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 early years of Bacchanalia on the where you're opening your restaurant in Buckhead, the float away Bacchanalia moving and now being in a new home and you know soon to be Pancake Social. I uh, can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future, yeah, Chef. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but <laughs> yeah, it's going to yeah. be good, whatever it is. I think so. Yeah, I hope it tastes good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to taste great. Yeah. But but Chef Ann Quattrano, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank thanks, you. Ben. Yeah. That was fun. Thank you, Annie, for everything, especially all of the meals past and yet to come. And speaking of meals to come, Pancake Social is opening soon over at Pont City Market. And keep an eye on their Instagram for all of the latest news. Follow them at at pancake.social and you'll never miss a beat. And as always, for your next unforgettable meal, it awaits at Bacchanalia, Star Provisions, Float Away, or WH Styles. And you can view all of the menus over at starprovisions.com. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.